0: going to spend uh, a moment reading from the Bible. Um, Please uh, join me looking at uh, Genesis chapter 11 verses 27 to chapter 12 verse 9 which can be found on page 8. So that's page 8 Genesis 11 starting at verse 27. This is the account of terror. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah she was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren she had no children. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot son of Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai the wife of his son Abram and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. The Lord said to Abram leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you Will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy five years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai his nephew Lot, all the possessions um, they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and I on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards Negev. Now turn to Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 6 to 14, which can be found on page 824. So that's Galatians 3, starting at verse 6. Sorry, I've just lost my spot. Consider Abram, Abraham, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified before God by the law, because The righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things We'll live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit.
1: Evening, folks. Uh, my name's Steve. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak to you today. Uh, this morning I caught up with some friends uh, who have spent time in China and I was struck in that time uh, how privileged we are here to come and hear God's word and meet together with no threat of the government banging down uh, our doors and throwing us in jail uh, and how privileged we are to have the Bible, God's Word written out here for us. So let me pray for us now as we um, ask God to do a mighty work in our hearts through his Word. Father, it is a privilege that we can meet together in this place with no threat of uh, persecution. Uh, We have a warm building, we have your Word written in our language uh, and we have one another to teach uh, and encourage uh, in all godliness that we might become more like you. And so, Lord, as your word goes out tonight, uh, we thank you that you promise that it will not return to you empty, and we pray that in our hearts you would work, uh, that we might be more like your son Jesus, and in all we do, we might give him great honour and glory. Amen. Uh, Recently, I received uh, an email, and it was a really exciting email. Uh, Not not many emails are exciting, especially the ones that I receive. Uh, And so I wanted to share it with you. Uh, in fact, it wasn't uh, your average email, it came from an overseas government. I want to read you an extract. Dear sir, we are top official of the federal government contract review panel who are interested in importation of goods into our country with funds which are presently trapped in Nigeria. In order to commence this business, we solicit your assistance to enable us to transfer into your, into your account the said trapped funds. Now at this point I was a little bit confused because I wasn't sure what imporation meant um, and I still wasn't sure why they were contacting me but I persevered and I kept reading the email and I was so glad that I did because the email continues. I have therefore been delegated as a matter of trust by my colleagues of the panel to look for an overseas partner into whose account we would transfer the sum of 21320000 US dollars. Please note, they say, the transaction is 100% safe. Now, I couldn't believe it. Out of all the people in the world to email, the Nigerian government had decided to entrust me with their money. Now, of course, if it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. And uh, this was yet another Nigerian uh, email scam that promptly found its way into my uh, spam folder in my email. But what I don't understand is why so many people fall victim to these scams. And they do. You hear of them all the time. What confidence can you have in the promise that is given from someone whom you have no relationship with? An email out of the blue from someone you don't know with a promise that sounds so amazing, why would you believe that? And I think it just goes to show how sinful and greedy we really are when we'll receive these emails from people we don't know. We're offered something for nothing and we're quite willing to take the risk to gain everything Uh, for such uh, uh, great risk. We're easily fooled by outrageous and empty promises. Now, God makes promises too. And whilst God's promises certainly appear outrageous, they're anything but empty. You see, there's an infinite difference between the promises that God makes and the promises that our friends on the Nigerian email scam are sending us. Firstly, uh, God doesn't give us his promises sent in an email in poorly phrased English. But more importantly, when God gives us his promises, God is the one giving us the promises. The promises come from God. And so in the passage that we read uh, before, Genesis 12, uh, we see that God made not just one promise but many promises. And he made them not just to a guy called Abram, who later became known as Abraham. So if I start mixing those names up, uh, that's why. we're talking about the same person. God made those promises not just to Abram, but to us too. The people who the Bible explains are the descendants of Abram. So keep your Bibles open to Genesis 12. And I want us to look again at verses 1 to 3, this great promise of God to Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, "'Leave your country, your people, and your father's household,' And go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Uh, and I will make, make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. you know, seemingly out of nowhere, God speaks into his creation uh, to this person called Abram and delivers him this list of amazing, outrageous promises. Why are these promises so outrageous? Well, I want to share with us six reasons, six reasons why these are just so incredible. First of all, it's amazing, don't you think, that the God of all creation would bother firstly to speak to his creation... But secondly, to bind himself in promises to those people who he has created. Why would God do that? Particularly as we've seen over the last nine chapters of Genesis, that his creation feels absolutely no obligation to the God who created them. They certainly don't feel any uh, binding uh, uh, promise to the God who made them. Why should the God uh, who created all things come and make promises to a rebellious and arrogant and proud people? It doesn't make sense. Secondly, God doesn't just offer Abram promises. He offers Abram promises of blessing. Now, He says, I will bless you. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. All the peoples on earth we bless through you. Blessing is just language of favor. Over and over and over again, God says, I will show favor and goodness to you. God is promising Abram great promises of goodness. You know, he even says to him, he just said that, I will make your name great, verse 2. And if you remember back to last week with the Tower of Babel, everyone was trying to build up this awesome tower so they could make their names great, and God brought them down. But God looked at Abram, a lowly, ordinary man, and said, Abram, I'm going to make your name great. Third, third, these promises that God gives to Abram aren't given because Abram is particularly good. You know, nothing stands out here as we see uh, why God picks Abram. Uh, Abram isn't a guy who has lived up to a rigorous series of criteria of you know, what it means to be chosen by God. In fact, Abraham did absolutely nothing to receive the favour of God, God was just gracious to him. Fourth, God makes promises to Abram that he will turn him, make him, into a great nation. And by its very definition, a nation needs people. And uh, we're hitting on some practicalities here, but Abram and his wife are no spring chickens. In fact, when God made the promises to Abram, he was 75 and his wife was 65. Now, I'm no doctor, but that's old to be having babies. But fifthly, they weren't just old... Sarah, or Sarai, Abram's wife, was barren. You know, that's what really stands out from what we read at the end there of, verse, uh, of chapter 11. His wife was barren. God chooses to turn into a great nation, a man whose wife cannot have children. That doesn't make sense, does it? It's amazing, just a couple of chapters on in chapter 15, God says to Abram, takes him outside, and he says, Abram, look up at the sky. Look up there. He says, look at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. I mean, what a ridiculous task. Count the stars. He says, Abram, so shall your offspring be. So he, God, has made a promise to make a great nation, many offspring out of a man whose wife cannot have babies. And lastly, and perhaps most astoundingly, God promises to deliver... The gospel, God's good news of salvation through Abraham, or through Abram, and therefore bless the whole world. We read uh, in verse 3 God's promise to Abram that all people on earth will be blessed through you. Now, us, now with the benefit of uh, the New Testament and all of Scripture to inform how we understand God's promises, can see, as Dave read to us in Galatians 3 8 9, and it's on the screen now, just what was going on here. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce in advance the gospel to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. See, God showed Abraham that the gospel is all about faith and those who have faith in God and in his promises and ultimately in Jesus, the fulfillment of all of God's promises that they will be blessed along with Abraham. Abraham is, de- is described as, as the father of all, of all people who believe in God and trust in his promises. And so we're told that all who believe as Abraham did will share in all the blessings that God has for his people. And so as we read these great promises that God delivers to Abraham, you just think, Wow. And you just think, why? Why, God, why would you do this? Do you see now why these promises are so outrageous? A God speaking into his creation amazing promises of goodness and blessing for no particular reason and not because Abram was any good. And God will make Abram into a great nation and bless the whole world through him. So let me ask you, how would you respond to promises as mind-blowing and staggering as these? Now, if God said that to you, how would you respond to such goodness and undeserved favour? God is very clear when he speaks to Abram, even before delivering the promises, how Abram should respond. And God's call on Abram and his life are matched only... By the gravity and the awesomeness of the promises that he gives him. Take a look again at verse 1 of chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. You know, when God shows grace to his people, this doesn't deserve a half hearted response. God says, Abram, Leave everything you know. Leave everything that is familiar to you. Leave everything in your life that is comfortable. Leave your family. Leave your country. Leave your culture. Leave your inheritance. Leave your superannuation. Leave everything and go. Go to the land I'll tell you. Abram is to leave everything that he knows. Would you do that? God called you to do that? Would you go? Would you leave everything... And go, if God told you to? What did Abram do? Well, quite simply, Abram showed extraordinary faith. And this is the second point that I want us to to really get a hold of tonight. Take a look with me at verse 4. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he said it from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. And there's no hint of hesitation in Abram's response. Abram doesn't say, God, that sounds good. Uh, just give me a week to think it over and pray about it, and I'll get back to you. He doesn't take time to put out a list and write out the pros and cons of what God has proposed. God has given him an awesome promise And he leaves immediately, just as the Lord had told him. You know, it didn't matter that in man's eyes, the promises of God were just crazy and ridiculous. It didn't matter that his wife was barren. It didn't matter that they were old. It didn't matter that he didn't know where God was going to lead him. It didn't matter that God was calling him away from all that was comfortable and familiar. God promised, Abraham listened, he believed, and he obeyed. Now, of course, if we know the story of Genesis, if we've read a couple of chapters in advance, we'll know that this isn't always the way that Abram responds to uh, God's promises. Uh, You'll know that Abraham, just like us, doubted. And just like us, his faith in God wavered and wasn't always sure. And, you know, this provides great hope for us as well, as people whose hope in God isn't as sure as it should be. But, you know... With all his failings, Abram was a man who truly believed God. And the letter to the Romans that we pick up on, again in the New Testament, wonderfully describes what really is going on here as Abram puts his trust in God. Why don't you turn, turn with it to me? I was going to put it on the screen, but it was too big. Romans 4. It's on page 798. We'll pick this up from verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, Abraham's response here to the promises of God is so critical for us to understand. It's critical because Abraham is held up in the New Testament as the example for us of what it means to be a Christian. And it's very simple. A Christian is someone who believes God, just like Abraham. Abraham believed in God's promises, regardless of the circumstances. Don't you love that verse? uh, in verse 21, Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. That is what it means to believe God. God has the power to do what he promises. And Abram believed God and that, that is what made him right in God's eyes. You know, there are two ways, only two ways that you can be right in God's eyes. Two ways of standing before God on judgment day and God saying to you, not guilty, come and join paradise with me. The first way is this. The first is to live a life that perfectly meets God's standards. And basically, as a human race, we've been trying to do this since the day dot. Except that we haven't actually asked God what his standards are. We've just decided we'll try and get a handle on what those standards are. We'll create them for ourselves. And strangely enough, they're just low enough that we can jump over them. And so we've created a list of standards and said that, well, hopefully by meeting these standards, everything's going to be okay. God will accept me. Except the Bible makes it clear that ignorance is no defense and it's not up to us to make the standards for God. And in fact, as Galatians 3 tells us that we heard before, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So breaking God's law at just one point, makes you a lawbreaker of all of it, and guilty of God's judgment, deserving of death. So basically, it's pretty clear to all of us here that if we're going to rely on this standard, we're all doomed. None of us have a hope. But thankfully, God knows this, and he has provided another way, and that is to believe in God's promises. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to be our curse, to be our death, so that all who believe in him and in God's work through him will not be cursed, but instead can know God and can know all of God's blessings and promises and goodness, not just now, but throughout all of eternity. God knows that you and I are lawbreakers. He knows we need a way out, and he's done something about it. He's provided a saviour, the one who secures all of God's promises. And all God requires is that we believe. Friends, that's all that a Christian is. Someone who relies not on their own goodness, but on the goodness of God and his promises and throws all their eggs in that basket and says, God, I believe your promises. I trust you. You are trustworthy. I'm in on that. The Bible is clear that all who put their faith in God, who trust God's promises uh, through Jesus Christ, belong to Jesus, are descendants of Abraham, and are heirs to all the promises that God gave him and all the promises that are given to us throughout Scripture. It's good stuff. (laughs) So, friends, what does it mean? What does it mean for us to live as descendants of Abraham? I think there's three ways, there's many ways. Here's three ways we should respond. First is this know God's promises. God's promises didn't stop uh, with Abraham, Uh, God continued to make amazing promises to his people in his word that are just as true now. Uh, as they ever were before and are just as precious to us today. So I ask you this question, do you know the promises of God? Here's just 10. I want to share with you 10 promises, 10 precious promises from God's word. The verses are up on the screen. I'll throw them up on the website this week as well. And I encourage you to go back and meditate on these things that God has, uh, has given us as his word and his promise one John one nine God has promised us forgiveness. If we confess our sins He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all.